And welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. We've got a preview podcast today. We're going to be talking about the New Zealand-South Africa game that's happening on Saturday. And we're going to be looking at the two teams and the selections and the game plans and what they what this game means for their World Cup preparation. We have brought a special guest with us, um, Angus, uh, who is at Analyst Gus on Twitter. He's really, really good with the numbers and the stats with rugby. He's a really good follow. He'll definitely make you smarter. And we've definitely made sure that we get a bit more brains into the podcast because, yeah, I mean, Eddie Jones really had a go at South African journalists for, for being smart asses. So we need to get a bit of a bit more anal- analytical skill and, 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 and smarts into this podcast. So Angus, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's insights on this All Blacks South Africa game. Perfect. Angus, let's just start with you and, and just get the ball rolling. So South Africa announced their, their squad on, on, on Tuesday and pretty much maybe somewhat surprising with regards to some players that made the trip that didn't play. But this is essentially the best team available in at least most of the positions. Is there any surprises that you had? Any players that you thought that you, uh, you, that you see that you're like, oh, I'm very keen to see how they go on Saturday? I think in particular, I was um, more focused on the the bench. Um, Libok being on the bench was an interesting one for me because I, I feel like that means he's he's probably leapfrogged Creel in in that um, in that six two split. And obviously, most people think that seems pretty standard considering he's a fly half. But um, w- with the cover we have on that bench um, and comparing that to our fifteen. We have players who who can cover a ten across the board with with Damien being able to cover everywhere almost and 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 Vili Leroux being able to slide between fifteen and ten um, and goal kickers in in both Fuff de Klerk and um, and Colby. So Libok being on the bench after Creel spent his whole kind of extra five or six days down in New Zealand because he flew down early that was a surprise to me. And then um, Thomas de Toy as well having another chance at a loose head will be interesting for me to see. Um, hopefully get a bit more time um, on the park so we can see him scrummage it a bit more. Yeah, I think that's, it's, it's it, with the Thomas Dutoy one, it's obviously interesting also because um, Trevor Nyakane, um was the backup um, on for the Australia game. And now it seems like he wasn't selected for this game as well. So, and we obviously have a, a little bit of an issue at Loosehead because um, Oxenchair is injured and, yeah, just trying to build up that depth at, at Loosehead. So, yeah, I think out of the people that went to us to New Zealand early, it's Gerard um, Jesse Creel, and uh, Jean-Luc Dupre that have been selected. Exactly. And um, the Trevor and Yukane one is quite interesting to me because um, I did some research on this a while back and this is his sixth match day squad that he's missed out on when he's been fit and available for, for any match day squad. So, um, not, and that's not including the English game where he obviously wasn't available because he had to go back to his, his club duties. So this is six matches in a row now where he's been available and fit, but he's not made the, the 23, um, which I guess begs a few questions around whether the box are saving him or whether they feel he's not at it at the moment. He's not at it at his usual kind of high level. Um, so that'll be interesting to know how that develops over the coming weeks. Sure. And um, just to pick up on that point about Trevor Yukanin, you know, his maybe unavailability in the in the last few squads. And yeah, just some of the things that Angus talked about. 
yeah, any other surprises for you or any other things that you that you found very interesting in that 23? For me, the the thing was probably the the lack of um pre-sent players to be involved in this game, I think. And I think that's probably caught everyone a little bit by surprise. On the Creel thing, funny, um, there was two, it was going two ways for me. I actually expected Creel to start this weekend at 13. But with Lucanio, I'm getting through Australia. They obviously, there's a couple, some thoughts behind it, but I assume it's kind of like he just needs a little bit more game time. I mean, it was quite clear, like everyone on Twitter was jumping on Lucanio saying, oh, he's lost it, blah, 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 and all the usual shit. And um, it's just about a bit about match fitness, I think, probably with him. He's, uh, he's, he needs to be in the zone, but he's also got to forge that uh, relationship again um, with Damien Delendi. So, yeah, that's important. I think Trevor Nikani actually interests me quite a bit, and I didn't realize that it was six, uh, six match day squads. Angus, that's a great bit of intel but for me I watched him a little bit um for Racing and he played a fair amount he uh, played a lot uh, seemed a lot more or definitely played a lot more towards the end of the season than Warwick Holland did for example but he didn't quite seem to be the Nyakane that we remember and coming back from injury um and perhaps you know obviously knew uh, knew everything in Paris so I'm hoping, and I'm probably more holding thumbs than anything, that his exclusion at the moment is more a um, a uh, fitness kind of thing or match readiness space where I think they just work in him. Same with Elton Yanchis, whether he's in the mix or not. I think, and Herschel perhaps is is just really just working the guys, getting them fit and ready, and just make sure that they're in like sort of showroom condition before um, before it's time to you know before or in case they have to get involved yeah and it's interesting just seeing how the different french players have been managed by the different squads um i think sean you were saying earlier today that the argentinians have basically said they're not going to select their their players that went far in the french competitions in the in these first two games versus the wallabies have played will skelton in the in, the, in these or are playing will skelton in these first two games so maybe nyakane is also being now the locks they have to that's also fair but it's true that uh, you're bang on. It's it's very interesting. Like, it's something. I mean, Angus, you've obviously you you a little bit more on the pulse than me. But it's something that I find super intriguing is the different mindsets and ideas on how to manage <clears throat> players coming out of spaces. So not a forced managed situation. Like for, for argument's sake, the French guys were not allowed to be in the French setup for X amount of days. But the non-French guys that played in the top fourteen had to be released for their international sides, and now those sides are managing them accordingly. And as you mentioned, um, Skelton and Arnold are jawling, um, and uh, Chakes has said, you know, all, it's almost all, it's not, but it's a, a, a massive chunk of the top 14 um, Argentinian players are, are being held off. Incidentally, they're all coming back for us, so it's going to be fun, but... Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I love that. That's the kind of stuff that really like piques my interest quite a bit. Cooks, let's bring you in. So just on the other side, the All Blacks have selected their team on Thursday morning. Probably the biggest surprise is the mission of Damien McKenzie and um, the selection of Tamati Williams um, on the bench on debut, or debut, as they say in New Zealand. 
any other things that um, caught you by surprise for the All Black selection? I think, um, yeah, the, the, the McKenzie one was was a big one. Um, I loved Rian's tweet today that said um, the box will drop um, curtly and then the All Blacks will, won't play DMAC. So sort of sort of like for like sort of uh, changes there. But I think this All Black side is probably as close as they are to, to full strength. I mean, Barry Barr, Sam Whitelock and Antonino Brown. I think Antonino Brown would have been in that side where they would have taken Eno's place on the bench or you would have started. So, yeah, I think it's as strong as an all black side that they have um again it's it's i think the all blacks is definitely answering a few questions like is frazel the right guy at six um I, i'm a massive luke jacobson fan i, I, I always wanted to be involved in the mix and is richie moanga is probably he ended the season last year as the starting 10 and um how, the, how they're going to go again with moanga barrett at 12 and then bottom barrett at 15 i think those are the questions they have um yeah, I think also even like someone like Caleb Clark on the bench also, I thought that was a bit surprising. I think their firepower in the back to sort of, um, yeah, it, it was it was very interesting. I, I, I think the hard thing with McKenzie is the fact that obviously he sort of plays 10 and 15 and then you're looking at someone like, you have two 10s in Mwanga and Bonham Barrett, so they probably felt that they probably needed something explosive in terms of Caleb Clark off the bench. And um, Eno obviously a center cover, but yeah, I, I, I do think it's a very, very strong all-black side and it's probably as that that could be this starting 15 at, at the World Cup. So, yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting game. You can you can sort of see the difference. Uh, like I said, like, you know, in boxing, they say styles make fight. And you can, styles make fight. So you can sort of see that in the weekend. And someone like Tomati Williams, I think it's definitely a trying to find a way to combat the bomb squad. Because, I mean, Thomas Dutoy is not a small man. And and um, you look at the guys coming on the bench, Winsenkoch as well. I think they definitely want to have an extra bit of size to to counter the Springbok uh, pack coming off the bench. And listen, it's a, it's the toughest, toughest test for Tomato Williams. That is definitely thrown in the deep end. Your test debut against against the Springboks. But yeah, I think um, this is one of the few times that I'm not going to fight um, Ian Foster. And yeah, and I, and I feel like it's a very, very strong all-black side. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's very hard. I mean, I think I've also been quite negative on Ian Foster, but... Yeah, it's it's quite hard to fight, you know, a forty point victory away in Argentina and you're stuck with mostly the same side. So I mean, we ha- we'll now see and we'll have a lot of questions that are going to be answered, I think, on, on Saturday about at least some of the selections that were done and started even last year in that game against um, the Springboks at Ellis Park. But let's just move back to the Springboks quickly. Angus, I think if if the I mean looking at it from a World Cup uh angle, the 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 match on Saturday. Is it Thomas Dutoy that has the most to gain from a good performance on Saturday? Scrumming against Nepo Laulala, who's probably the one thing that he's selected for is a scrummaging. So it's, you know, as decent a test as you'll get um, from a player off the bench. Yes, absolutely. And um, if we are going to take five props to the World Cup, um, and that's assuming that Ox uh, comes back fit before the World Cup, we're going to need that swing prop. And um, with as I mentioned, with with what's been going on with uh, Trevor, we we will need that swing prop to be either Thomas Dutoy or, or Trevor Nyakane. So if Trevor's not getting game time and he's either being managed or he's not in form, um, you would think that this is a huge moment for Thomas to to take his chance to, to get into that World Cup squad because he only made it last World Cup due to a Trevor injury. So this would be a chance for him to actually go um, on his own right. Um, this coming World Cup. 
Sean, anyone else that has a lot to gain from a good performance on Saturday from the box side? I'm really, I'm really looking at uh, at Manny Lebok. Um, the conversation and things around for me. So I really look at this as Jacques Ninaba having having to decide how Damien Willemse deals at ten, and that's going to make massive impacts. That's going to that's going to impact Lebok, and it's going to impact Yanchis. Because I, so the one thing is, is I've been saying for a while, like if Lubbock's going to the World Cup, he needs to be getting all the minutes. So this now bringing Willemse in to start at 10 and we started him at 10 for four or five games last year. Um, it's, and, and it, like it was a mixed bag. Um, I think he needed to get used to what we needed and the team needed to get used to him. Um, and uh, so there's interesting stuff happening there. The thing is, is, is Lubbock, I would prefer to be playing more so he can get minutes because it's clear that he probably, well, it's clear that he's probably front runner to be the second choice 10. But if Willemse doesn't perform or if Willemse doesn't do as well and Lubbock does well, that really changes the dynamic um, because, you know, that that could really open the door for Yanchi's funny enough, I feel, if, if we decide that, that, uh, that Willems is not really going to be a viable option at 10. Um, that means we were relying solely on, on Lubbock as your second choice. So that's, for me, what's going to happen. It's both 10s. I'm interested to see what happens there. Because I think we all really agree that Willems has to start. <laughs> like, it would take a lot... Uh, I suppose, listen, the 10-15 um, axis on, on, on Saturday last week against the Wallabies showed that we could possibly leave Willemse um, on the bench and as player 23. But I think he's got a lot further than that. I think he has to start. So we're really going to be making some very hard and very tough decisions about what's happening and where it's happening, whether it's 10, 12, or 15 regarding Willemse or if he's player 23. So... Sorry, a long-winded reply, but my focus is going to be on those two players and 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 what happens there. The other thing is I'm super pumped that um, Grant Williams has got to look in again. I didn't think he would um, because I thought he was a little bit further down the pecking order, but I'm very happy. I mean, Jared's a massive fan, and I'm, I'm he's I, I've like grown to become more of a fan. I've really liked him a lot of the time. I thought. His kicking maybe was left a little bit wanting, but everything else about his game is 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 epic. Um, so so yeah, so it's the backs that I'm focused on as per usual. I agree with that as well. Um, I'm I'm really happy to see Williams on the bench. Um, I've kind of been quite vocal about the fact that it it does seem like we have two different types of scrum halves. Uh, we've got like our game managers in in De Klaak and, and Henriksa, and 100%. we've got like finishes, finishes sorry, in, um, in Reinach and, and Williams. And obviously that doesn't mean I'm excluding Herschel, but currently the way the box are at the moment, I don't see Herschel making that World Cup squad. Um, so it's definitely between those, those four for me. Yeah, it's, yeah. I actually mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think, I think Reinach and Williams are fighting out for a spot. And I think the other two spots are between De Klerk, Hendricks, and uh, and Yanchis. And that's how and that's how it's gonna be. It's not a case of take your best three. It's the, we've got two clear roles, as you mentioned, in our nines. But last week having both of our speed nines playing 
Reinach showed that he's actually he's actually got a game management um, vibe about him too, which we knew, but we never really got to see it too much. So he really he really threw a cat amongst the pigeons as well, I believe. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think what hurts um, Herschel, I think Herschel's probably the only scrum off in the camp that's sort of the best of both worlds can sort of game manage and sort of a bit of a yeah. finisher. But I think what what has hurt him is when he had that dip in form, Jenny Hendricks sort of emerged and then Grant Williams emerged sort of. And then I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Herschel starting against Argentina. I think I, I do think the Bach management still still do love Herschel and in the, in the years of service he's put in. So I wouldn't be surprised. I, I definitely think he'll get a crack against Argentina. And But yeah, sort of Herschel does put himself in a tough boat because is if you have him on the bench, there's two better finishers in Reinach and Williams, and to start and fast to get better game manager and sort of, so that's that, that's a tough place for him. He's sort of caught in that limbo, and um, I mean it's a good place to be. I mean Herschel did end the season playing. I thought he, he sort of found his good form. I know in the final the storm was in general one of their best. It wasn't one of his best game, but he sort of as the URC went on, the better and better he got. So I would love to see him sort of getting another crack. Um, I think he will get another crack. But yeah, it's, it's very hard to to sort of fight because I think Faf and I think Jaden definitely comes back because I mean he showed last year how good he was. I think yeah, it's just hard for Herschel because yeah, if you're gonna put him on the bench, it's it's hard to convince anyone that he's a better finisher than a Grant Williams or a or a um a Kubas Rana. Listen, what Muti are, are Yanchis and Pollard having? Like we talk about his dip and and whatever, but those two every World Cup year. They 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 hit their straps, like Yanchis. <laughs> Yanchis wasn't wasn't great, but he had a flipping brilliant end to the season, and uh, it's a World Cup here. And Pollard, like frankly, has been up and down, but my word, he's been dominating when he was in the Premiership, like World Cup here, and everyone like comes out from hibernation, going, mm, "We're in the mix now." Yeah, it is it is quite a funny trend for the two of them, um, and I think we've got a few other guys looking like they're peaking as well. Um, I, I definitely think the box game, I mean, the coaching staff's plan was always for the boys to peak now. Um, and they've, they've had this, uh, as, as Rossi mentioned a long time ago, they've had this year as their, this was the year they were expecting to win the World Cup, not, not 2019. So they've had their age profile sorted. They, I mean, they, they went to that 2019 squad with a, a group of players that they knew 90% of them could still play in the 2023 squad. So um, it was always meant to be that they were going to, be aiming to peak around this time of their, their careers. And um, I'm, I'm finding it really interesting to see how they manage the squad over the next few few weeks. I know you mentioned players playing against um, Argentina. I think the result this weekend will decide which players play in the actual rugby championship game against Argentina. And then that friendly in Argentina will probably be a very different squad. We might see a lot of rotation for that game. Yeah, I think the Dion Ferry Invitational will be <clears throat> going to Buenos Aires and then, yeah, the, the big guns will be saved for the game at home. But you know, um, we both know Stephen Kitsov is going to find himself on a plane to Argentina. No one has more email <laughs> than Stephen Kitsov this season. One way I or another, he's going to Argentina. His passport must be so full. Like, every match, he's just like, here we go again. Played pretty much every game for the Stormers, playing every game now for the Springboks as well. Like, his passport must be absolutely full. And look, I think as long as he's not in that Cape Town ground, he's happy. <laughs> so let's, oh, uh, just one or two other things I wanted to mention in terms of maybe things to look out for. 
I mean, yeah, it's been a social media narrative, but I am keen to see how Ches and Colby and Makazulu Mapimpi go. Um, there is definitely pressure from Kurt Yardens, and he's done his part in performing as well as one can do in his first few tests. So Colby and Mapimpi have not something to prove, but just they have to just show that they're the standard and 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 show how good they are because three will have to fit into two in our best team. And Arden has definitely made the argument in the games this year and last year that he should at least be a consideration for those squads. And I think there's a little battles happening between Quacker um, Smith and Dwayne Vermeulen because I think they'll, one of those two will be our number player 21, basically, in that 6-2 split. So... Quaja obviously can cover pretty much 6, 7, and 8. We know how good he is. We know the impact that he has. He can cover the wing as well. And Dwayne showed last week that he's back to, you know, the Dwayne that we know and love and that he can make a big impact. He can almost be that Francois Lowe experienced person that can make an impact in the game. So obviously one's starting, one's coming off the bench. But I think the twenty, the player 21 in our big matches in the World Cup will be probably be between those two players because they have both the experience, they have the, the knowledge, they have the skill, and they obviously are great on the ground as well. They can make a big impact in a, in a big World Cup game. So I think Smith and Dwayne have, have a little mini battle to see who's going to be in the first choice 23 and who might be you know, almost like the leader of that um, second choice team that plays like the likes of Tonga and Romania. So I'm keen to see that. So let's look at the opposition. And I mean, New Zealand, the last time we faced them, we had the two-test series against New Zealand in South Africa. We thrashed them in Bombela. It was probably one of the best test matches of the Jacques Minobe era. Like, you can't really ask much more than how they performed in that game. Then in the second test, um, they faced us in Ellis Park. It was basically, if the All Blacks lose, Ian Foster has to stay in South Africa. He doesn't have a job. Scott, <laughs> Scott Robertson was ready. Um, there was It was going to be the end of the end for everything. And they pulled off a really good performance at Ellis Park. And they pretty much almost, in a way, outran the box. They just ran them to a, to a standstill and they played pretty well. And this was the start of, you know, the team that we see now. Um, you know, they stuck with Rico Yohan at 13. They stuck with Richie Mohanga at 10. They stuck with Shannon Frizzell at 6. They played Ethan de Groot and uh, Terrell Lomax up front um, with Samasoni Takiaho. And they had these players that now are, you know, quite key members of the team. And, I mean, New Zealand has had a bit of an up and down last few um, test matches after that. They've won most of them. The only true against um, um, England at the end of the year tour. And it's interesting to see how they've developed from, from, that, um, from that start. So let me start with you, Cooks. You know, what's it, when you look at the All Black team and like how they've gone the last few years and now they're coming to this match and coming a bit full circle, what's impressed you the most about the changes that they made at Ellis Park that have carried on to now? And that also includes um, their later change to Jordy Barrett playing in the midfield as well. I think the big thing, I look at the side on the weekend, that side is definitely a side that's catered to beat the, to beat the Springboks the way they play. I mean, I've always mentioned, especially for the All Blacks, and the way the Springboks defend and the amount of pressure they put on you, the Springboks take a lot of risks on defense in terms of the way they, with the press. And, and I always felt to, to get around that press, you've got to be willing to be brave in ball in hand, be willing to lose five meters to gain 20, 30 meters, three, four phases later. And the All Blacks sort of, they filled themselves with playmakers and with 
Mwanga at 10, Jordi Barrett at 12, and then you have um, then you have um, uh, Bowden Barrett at 15. So I, I think that the more ball players they have, I think their biggest trend is has always been the ability to their skills and the ability to to outrun most opponents. And I, I think with Ian Foster, he's sort of leaning towards that. And I think he's leaning to very playmaker heavy sort of sort of offense and, and then allowing the forwards to, to to crash. And you could see against Argentina, there's a lot of tip passes, a lot of passes behind uh, hitting the forwards and, the, and they hit the 10 behind him. So I think for me, the All Blacks are sort of stuck. They've sort of gone pre like 2009 All Blacks where they're almost running everything. But now you have someone like Bottom Barrett who kicks very well. They, they, they do, they've kicked slightly better, but I think they've definitely gone to approach of just trying to, almost trying to outrun the opposition. I think, and, and you look in the weekend, I think when they play a side like the Springboks, they definitely can get around the Springboks and they back themselves to get around the Springboks. And I think the All Blacks do also feel that if if the game does tend, if the game does go to a shootout where each side scores 25 points or more, that that's how they can beat the Springboks. They, I, I don't think they're going to want it to be a big, big physical forward, uh, big test, well, sort of test match rugby with the box one winning 15-10 or 15-12. I think that's the last thing the All Blacks want. I think they're going to back their skills to get around the press, make the decision force the, the Springboks to sort of make better decisions on defense, force them, if they are going to rush, back themselves to, to have the skills to get around it because, yeah, I think, yeah, they, they, they're in a weird spot where the All Blacks, it, it feels like it's definitely not the, the strongest side going into a World Cup, but they do feel like they can pull together results, whether it's, yeah, the skilled players coming through and I think they feel like they, they can do that. They, I mean, the, you look at the pool stages also, like the, they could get in the box or Ireland. The Ireland one's obviously tough because Ireland sort of just, just tends to break them down and and, and 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 sort of use the All Blacks chaos against them. But yeah, I think it's it's a weird place. Like it's as strong as the side is that there are so many kinks to, in their armor. There, 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 there are places where the box can hurt them. There are places where many teams can hurt them. But I feel like they sort of feel like they can get around most teams and sort of try and win win games by yeah almost like a sprint to 35 points. And I think that's sort of the way they've set up and um, and the, the way they set the backs up with Jordi Barrett. And I think Jordi Barrett is going to make a massive difference because the, you could see with Havili at 12, they sort of go there. But I think with Barrett's size, he's slightly bigger. He can he can sort of give them the front football and he's still good enough to sort of play pauses behind. So I'm, I'm not going to be surprised to see the All Blacks sort of, they'll, they'll definitely be looking to run most, most of the ball and looking to hurt the spring box, especially on, on turnover ball. And um, yeah, I think for me, I think that's sort of the best way for them to go forward. Um, I think it's too late to sort of try and tinker things now. I think they'll play a lot differently under Scott Robertson. I think the way Ethan Foster now, it's almost sort of try to run everything and and sort of let the skill players go to work. Yeah, I'm not going to ask Sean this question. Let me ask rather Angus. Angus, what's your thoughts about the Jordi Rico um, center partnership? I mean, I really like Geordie at 12. Um, I, I've been saying that for quite a while. And, and, and my ideal All Blacks backline does have Geordie at 12. Uh, whether it has Rico Ayani at, uh, at 13 is a different story entirely. Um, for me, in, in the perfect All Blacks backline, I would, I would have, um, I'd have Rico at, at 11. I'd have Goodhue probably at, at 13. Uh, and then Bowden, 15. Uh, Geordie, 12. Uh, other wing, um, Will Jordan, and then Moanga at, at, at ten, with with Damian McKenzie covering every single position under the sun on the back. I mean, on the bench. Um, so, 
for me, that's the the way I would I would set up an All Blacks backline. Oh, we need to get you on your more. We really do, Cooks. I know you. I know you want Angus on your a lot more, but I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be on your team now because Angus actually talks sense. The the only thing that I'm gonna question on your on your I, I don't and I know I know Tyler likes um Goodhue at thirteen. I actually believe Goodhue is a better twelve. But I think Goodhue struggles when you move him between twelve and thirteen, which the all blacks like to do. He needs to sit somewhere and he needs to stay. But you know, Cooks and just I'm gonna touch on something just that I thought of when both of you were chatting. Um Cooks, you're you're right. The All Blacks, in order to get us they have to they have to breach us out wide so they're going to they're going to want to i think they're going to play it up front to suck in and then they're going to go and the thing is 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 we we struggled a little bit defensively on saturday so we need to clean that up um what happens is the all blacks we we recover very well when when we breach the problem is is the all blacks historically have always finished us off so they one of our one of the sides that are the best at killing us off once they once they do a line break, so that's why I also believe they're going to go they're going to go over. The other thing um, which I'm quite interested in, in terms of defense is Damien Delendia twelve. He's the best. The way that we push up with our thirteen and our wingers pushing up is essentially what happens is if they miss the tackle, we um, the whole plan of our defense is that we make that tackle before they reach the gain line. So. If a winger beats Mapimpi who's shooting, um, he's still generally brought down before the gain line. That's what a lot of people haven't seen. And that's what we do. What, what, the, whole, the whole thing of this is like, if your winger slows a man down, but he is beaten and the guy's tackled before the gain line, it's essentially a win for us on defense. Damien Delendi is the best at, at that shift over from 12. So essentially what happens is he comes straight up and then when Um or Creel is pushing up at 13 and then the, and the winger is pushing up, then your 12 basically straight line goes for the, for the touch line, like just hauls ass. And um, we saw the first try that, the only try, I can't remember. Anyway, the try that uh, um, Australia scored this weekend where Estazen came across and just missed Koro Betty. The, it's those ones there that the 12 needs to be making. That's really what he does. So, Damien Delaney, just purely with his experience at 12 and and him and I'm together, like him shooting across, he's excellent at that on defense. And that's where we're going to have to stop the All Blacks from making a line break and them reloading and killing us off. And you're so right about the killing us off part. Um, once they get that line break, it seems like uh, nine times out of 10, the All Blacks end up scoring a try. And um, what I've noticed in our last few matches against the All Blacks is the fact that they always seem to be trying something new against our rush defense. Um, yeah. I've seen with different kick passes, we've seen them go like long kick passes across to the likes of uh, like Reese uh, Reese rather, sorry. Um, we're getting those kick passes that happened in the 2019 World Cup. We had um, that, that sort of kick pass play that they did to Adi Savia in the Ellis Park test, I think it was. Um, so we, we've seen quite a few different ways they've tried to get around our rush defense, particularly using a kick pass. Yeah. What I'm interested in, I think last year, opposition sort of targeted the, the channel of Havili and Richie Moanga. I think the box did that very well as well, especially in Mbombela, where they're just sending runners and, and, and Damon Delindy and Visa's coming in and carry because 
Havili uh, is a great ball player, but it sort of struggles a little bit defensively. Now, it's going to be interesting how they sort of attack Jordi Barrett. I think Jordi Barrett is a better defender. Um, and obviously the size difference. And I think with Jordi Barrett, I think he can sort of, uh, probably, he can sort of hold Dialindi to sort of, because I think Jordi Barrett is an underrated ball carrier. But I'm also interested to see the way, I think the All Blacks sort of last year, I think the first test against Irish, against Ireland was sort of attacking the, Aaron Smith was always hitting the, the third, the third runner, sort of spreading the ball out with the pass, not even the first man, hitting, or for the second man, hitting the third man. And, and they did it very well against Argentina, especially in the first half. So it's going to be interesting how they use that. I think they'll try to sort of use that tactic of using Aaron Smith's pass to sort of hold the buck, sort of hold the buck, uh, the, the buck forwards. And I, and I do think if they can, if you, if, if, uh, I mean, like someone like Scott Barrett, is a, he runs unbelievable lines. So that's an area they think they could against the box that they could target, but it can also work against them because the box are the box forwards. I mean, they make huge hits. So it's going to be interesting how they use Aaron Smith and they use the runners that come around the corner. I think if the box can stop them there, it sort of it holds the All Blacks momentum. And I feel like with the All Blacks is Argentina sort of almost let them into the game, their runners, and then from there the Oaks struggled to Argentina. Once the All Blacks get front football. Once the Oaks can offload and things like that, the forwards and again, then then it becomes a nightmare to becomes an absolute nightmare to stop. So I think with the Springboks, going to be massive emphasis on those pods coming around. And obviously with Aaron Smith, the pass he's got such a great pass, and um, it does it does unlock so much for the All Blacks. So it's going to be interesting how the box sort of counter that. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Well done, um, Cooks, on that. It was a really good point. Like the width that the All Blacks get with Aaron Smith is ridiculous, and they really punished Argentina with that. And it's, yeah, it's it's effectively like having a number nine and a number 10 because he can just pass so wide. Like there's this one line out, I think in the middle of the first half, it was a two ball and Aaron Smith passed it basically into the midfield <laughs> to um, Damian McKenzie. Like he just gets no, so ridiculous. much width and, and, and length from, from his passing. It's just ridiculous. So you have that width and it's one way of getting around the rush defense and like, um, Angus and both of you guys have said now like it's going to be interesting to see what their plan is this weekend and now they have Jordy Barrett in the midfield so is it trying to get around it is it trying to get through it because what I think they did last year really well at Ennis Park was it was almost like a keep ball alive type of thing actually they did two things really well was the keeping the ball alive and making sure that, like, for example, someone like Caleb Clark was in the game as much as possible, they can do the same with Mark Talea. Then the second thing that they did really well was when, because we had that early injury to, was it Jesse Creel, I think, and then um, yeah. I moved to wing and Damien Delendi moved to center. They targeted Damien at center. And I think it was just because of positioning and obviously Damien's not really an outside center. And they just went at his channel with a lot of the counterattacks that they had. And pretty much anytime they got a counterattack, as I think, Two of their tries was 20, they ran from the 22. They went straight there and they went with as much width as possible. So I guess that's the one thing that maybe um, Ian Foster is making me come around to is maybe having the almost three playmakers with Monga um, or David McKenzie at 10, Bowden at 15 and Jordi at 12 is, and then having Aaron Smith as your nine, you can just get your ball as wide as possible. And, you know, having the, the, the the level of finishes that um you know the likes of Narawa and Talea and Clark are you can get you know a lot of meters from that so interesting to see that and like Cook said also the interplay with like the forwards and and the good ball carrying with the likes of 
We know how good Savia is out wide. We know how good um, Scott Barrett is in the middle and Brody Retallick as well. So I think that'll be a, a it'll be. I mean, last week we weren't tested at defense really. This will be a big test for our defense and just seeing how we problem solve around that. Sean, the thing about um, about Jordy uh, is it's gonna it'll be okay for us on Saturday, but come the World Cup, he's gonna be different. Is when he's attacking, when when he's when he's got a carry on him and he's looking for contact, he doesn't have enough time. Um, and, and these are very very small margins, and he is a pro, but. Being a 12 and running those lines is we will have a, a slight advantage. Or should I say that the All Blacks will have slightly less of an advantage because he will, he's a big man and he's going to run hard, but there's just those little nuances that he probably still hasn't completely come to terms with yet. That's the only thing that's going to really help us um, in, that, in that sort of space for Saturday. But I do believe that that's going to obviously change moving forward. Again, like he's the All Blacks have always been the best when they've got a when they've got a kick pass run, twelve always, and um, they um, so a kick pass yeah kick pass run. So with Havili, they they lost a little bit of that 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 sort of run the carry run where um where like with like Nonu, he was crazy. He could do it all, and they haven't really got that yet recently should i say you know there's been a couple of chopping and changing but all comes down to the anton leonard brown and the good who multiple injuries and all that sort of jazz you know sean i think you need to lose <laughs> your it just i think you need to let go of that dream i think the alb and good who uh at least them starting in an all-black team i think that's that that ship has sailed unfortunately. i don't no, I want. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't. Good Hugh. <laughs> I'm not as sold on Good Hugh. I really do rate him, but I think he's a better twelve, and I think Anton Leonard Brown's a better twelve than him. So I'd rather have Anton Leonard Brown at twelve, and I'd rather have someone else at thirteen. Yeah. Um, who it's going to be at the moment, I don't know. Um, Leicester find Ganuku if they're going to spend forty five million years fixing Yuani at thirteen. I mean, surely they could have put Leicester in the space because I think he would be. <laughs> an absolute weapon at 13. But anyway, so yeah, Anton Leonard Brown and Goodhue together, I don't know where I'd put who. Um, probably, I'd probably have to put Goodhue at 12 and Leonard Brown at, at 13 just purely because Leonard Brown's a better 13. But I still think uh, All Blacks need Anton Leonard Brown. Imagine having Geordie Barrett at 12 and Leonard Brown at 13. That would be flipping hectic because they're two big humans. I still think the um, the Rika Yowane move to 13 is all due to Dougie Howlett. I think Dougie Howlett um, sent uh, me and Foster a big check and he said, listen, this, this ex- man's coming from my Please record, explain like, this to, to Angus. Please explain to Angus no, exactly Angus, what this is. This is the best. So Angus, there's a, there's a thing called, this is my theory, there's the Dougie Howlett curse. Every every person has gotten close to breaking the New Zealand tri-scoring record. Something happens to them. Severe was like unbelievable, Julian Severe, and then somehow forgot to play rugby. Rokothoko, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> then forgot to play rugby. Enrico Yuan is probably at the best, best chance gets moved to 13. I'm like, I'm telling you now, this curse is real. Will Jordan's going to get shifted to 15 and something can happen to him again. Like, no one's going to break this record. And Bottom Barrett, <laughs> last year, they mentioned the test that, no, Bottom Barrett is nearing the record. What happened? 65 concussions. I'm telling you, this curse <laughs> is real. But I tell you, you know someone, um, I, uh, Isaiah, Toyava, 
He also all black like once or twice and then went to France for like six decades. He he was in with the mix. He was in the mix as well. He could have done it. Joe Rocco got like 64 seasons in the top 14 and like from the age of 27. Just, just to keep, keep playing top 14. Like, why couldn't play with all blacks? He's, he's got, he was like, like three, four tries away. Guys, mm-hmm. this, this curse is real. I'm telling you now. Yeah, and unfortunately, Will Jordan is now facing just rand, a random concussion issue. It just came out of nowhere. And I think that proves Cooks' theory. Um, looking up front, and I think these are some of the questions and maybe possible weaknesses that the all blacks have or things that they can answer on Saturday. And, I really want to look at Ethan De Groot. Um, I, yeah, there's been a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people that know their stuff have been saying he's a really good scrummager. He's, obviously, we know how good he is around in the loose, but I'm still, I don't know, there's just something that is holding me back from, you know, falling into that take and saying he's one of the best loose heads in the world and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, tests don't get much bigger than France Malherbe and, you know, trying to face him up. Wow. But yeah, I think Ethan De Groot has a lot to prove here. And I mean, frankly, you know, the likes of Scotland and England and Australia and Argentina, the the you know, the games that he's had, I mean, those those aren't really the tests that that you know facing the Springboks are. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how him and Lomax go and if they can at the very least, you I think for most teams, all you want is parity, or at least not to be, you know tripping penalties the whole time when you when you go up front. And it'll be interesting to see how he goes he goes up front. And then Shannon Frizzell is interesting in, in, at six as well because I think there's definitely an argument for having Scott Barrett at six once Sam Whitelock comes back. So, and he, look, frankly, he's played pretty well. I think he's played at least similar to the level that he plays at in Super Rugby and he looks really good. Um, as a number six, I don't he's no Jerome Kano, but he's good enough. Now, do they stick with Shannon Frizzell at six later when everyone's fit? Do they go to Scott Barrett? And Frizzell, I think, will do himself a lot of good if he can have a good performance on Saturday um, and and show that he can be, you know, the number six um, for, for, for the All Blacks. So they have a lot of questions up front um, that I think will be answered um, on Saturday. Cooks, what are the things that you... Can be that can be targeted by the Springboks um, against the All Blacks. Even as we've talked about, you know how much they've improved. There are still some weaknesses that we saw, and you know Japan even had a comeback against them. England had the draw. Argentina, you know, they got some parity in the second half. What are the weaknesses that that you can see um, from the All Blacks? I think up front. I think that's the big one. Um, you look at the box bench. It's sort of, it's I know the world is a bomb squad, but I think you look, especially Saturday's one is. Definitely going to be an upfront assault. I think the, the Springboks will definitely back themselves to get their ascendancy, set piece, scrum, and just and then obviously just sort of carries and just sort of hitting the All Blacks back. I think that's the big one. I think the All Blacks, their big struggle now is sort of when the games, you look at the England when the games to get close, to get niggly, and sort of where you need proper proper test match rugby where it's wearing down a team. I think the All the Springboks, I think they'll probably resort to type A game plan where it sort of suffocate the opponents and sort of try and just, yeah, just suffocate and put good kicks in. I think you look at someone like Mark Talia, he's probably not the greatest or kind of the high ball. And they can still also target someone like Bodum Barrett. I know I mean, Bodum Barrett can pretty much do everything on a rugby field, but they can still sort of look to put him under pressure with with bombs. But I think someone like Mark Talia, it could be a long day. I think they're definitely... They're definitely, definitely looking to, to target him. With, with, I wouldn't be surprised to see a heap of eyeballs coming his way. And um, 
yeah, I think the, the Springboks, I think the way they play sort of, as much as the way the All Blacks play is the best way to beat the Springboks, the way the Springboks play is, is one of the ways, the best ways to beat the All Blacks. And I think the Springboks will, will be looking to sort of, yeah, to suffocate the opponent, sort of that, that's, as Jared said, that slow poison and just wear them down. And because I think with the All Blacks, especially, the, especially this All Black side is, once they get worn down, once they get put under pressure, the, the small errors are creeping in. They sort of overplay their hand. They try and force things. And, and, and I think that's where the Springboks want them to be. When they, once sort of like Mbombela is case in point, I think the way the Springboks played there in Bombela is sort of going to try and replicate that. And, and I think that's where they were looking to sort of target the All Blacks. And Angus, you know, I think looking forward for, the, for, for New Zealand and the Rugby World Cup, I mean, They've had, you know, they've improved quite a bit, but there's still, I think, a, a little bit of a softer underbelly there. Like, and I mean, Cooks even mentioned, you know, Rico Ioani is still a bit of a novice there at number 13 and someone that people can run at. And yeah, as as he talked about, the upfront as well. For the spring box, like what are the things that you, you, like what are the things that you're looking for that you know they have to hit if they want to win on Saturday? I mean, I think Tamati Williams is a is a big one for me. Um, I, I know a lot of us have kind of already spoken about him and, and praised him, but uh, he's he's a twenty three year old swing prop. Um, how many how many twenty three year olds do you see who've mastered loose head and tight head? Um, it's 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 very rare. So uh, he's coming up against a very experienced tight head in, in Koch when 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 they both come on. And um, I'm 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 hoping to see some some dominance in that field from from Vincent. Uh, you you should be seeing some dominance from him in that in that area. It, it'll be interesting to see how Tamati goes over his career. And I, to be a swing prop, a genuine swing prop at, at 23 is is quite an achievement. But um, I think I think we can target him when he comes on off the bench. If he comes on off the bench, I mean, you never know with the All Blacks. Sometimes they they don't even empty empty their bench. And um, we we will have to wait and see on that, but I think that's a definite area to target. But they'll be thinking the same thing about Thomas Detoy, to be fair. Yeah, and we'll have to see how they, how it goes up front there. Sean, just one more thing about you know these matches. I mean, the last what six seven years with um, when Rassi Rasmus came. I mean, the the South African New Zealand games have been what a one point South Africa win, a draw. Uh, a New Zealand win in the World Cup by less than seven points. Um, then New Zealand wins by a few points in the 100th Test match. South Africa wins the next week. Then it's South Africa that wins in Bombela. Then it's New Zealand that wins by probably by the biggest margin, I think, in, in those games. What has made these games so close between South Africa and New Zealand in the Rassi and, and Ninaba era? I think just making it competitive again. Like, they've... So Rassi started started it off and you know i was kind of carrying it on but you know we've we've all got the love back for the springboks like we're not we don't love them because we're springbok fans we're loving them and their vibe again and that was was huge the springboks lost their it uh, lost its aura for a while like people feared the springbok they didn't feel the springboks um for a long time and uh and that's and that's what happened like the all blacks played here a while back and they knew they were going to win and we knew they were going to win, but we just hoped that we'd, we'd show up for at least 60 or 70 minutes. And, um, and that's the, that's, that's massive. And like now the, the All Blacks wandered a little bit off 
um, but they seem to be back. And the best part about it is we've named the biggest bench and the biggest team that we've done in a while. We're super happy after a great result. But if you look at the All Blacks, when they name their side this today, and then you're like, whoa, this is actually going to be a good game. No one, no one in their right mind would say that this is going to be an absolute walkover for either side. Like, no, like a, a blind fan will, or a one-eyed fan, should I say. But, you know, that's the thing. Is the competitiveness is back. We don't know who's going to win. It's, it's not like someone should win. We know it can go either way. And that's the best part about it. And that's the best part about sports. Like, we are all, everyone is going to be down for pre-match. They're going to be ass on the couch watching the TV, watching Mots do intros and chats again and do all that sort of stuff and then get ready for for pre-match and team announcements and anthems and haka and then the game kickoff like they're going to be asses in seats for half an hour 45 minutes before kickoff that's what it's all about like that's what we want it's the biggest it's our biggest rivalry it's their biggest rivalry i don't australia not really but like you know it's that's what everyone wants to see the whole world wants to watch this game it's not just us like everyone's talking about it. So, oh, I love it. I'm pumped. Yeah, well, Rico Yoni said he hopes that he can post 40 on uh, on the Springboks on Saturday. Great, so he... great attacking player. Great attacking <laughs> player. But he's not a, not a complete 13. Great attacking <laughs> player. He's got, he's got gas to burn. Great winger, eh? Imagine. Imagine they played him on wing. How good he'd be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's having flashbacks to the game we won't mention in 2017. Um. Let's then just look at just one more thing about the Springboks. Cooks, anything that you are a bit concerned about with the Springboks, like you're just having a, a watchful eye over it, being like, okay, we need to sort this out or this player needs to show some form or whatever the case is. I think um, I think us as fans, and we, we, I think we all want to see Lucanio get back to his best. Um, oh, yeah. I know obviously he had, um, he had the injuries and... And obviously, even if he didn't get injured, he still had a longer break because the Sharks decided to lose every quarterfinal they were in this season. So it would have been off regardless. <laughs> so, um, but so like, I think for him, it's sort of getting back to his best. And I think this game last week as well, you know, glimpses of, of, of how good he is. And, and, um, and, I th- and I think the weekend, I think we want to see him get back to his best. Um, the All Blacks probably still have nightmares after how we ripped them up, ripped them to shreds last season in the last year in Ellis Park. So I would love to, for me, the, the biggest wing. thing is just, Oh geez, he was he was amazing. Um, hey, but yes. like I still I still want to. I think the missing link now we've seen like Dwayne Vermeulen get back to his best, and we've seen the Oaks who played last week step up. I think Lucania is probably the missing link. Um, and yeah, and also just to see how the starters go. You know, someone like Jasper Visa, how does how is he going to go on the weekend? And uh, Mostert and Quaka and all the guys. So yeah, I think if we get Lucania back to his best. Um, and I think it will happen. Um, I think he is one of the few guys also that just needs game time. He just needs to play rugby. Um, but yeah, so I'm really looking for. I think I think he'll have a good game as on the weekend. I think you. I think he will be the Lucano that we know. And um, yeah, I think that's that's my only only or the starters. Only one I'm really concerned about. I'm really really wanting to have a good game from. Yeah, I wouldn't mind to see if the three penalties that we conceded on Saturday was. You know, just a one-off thing because Australia was so bad, or you know, just an improvement on our discipline because I think our discipline has trended downwards since 2019. Uh, you know, we were pretty much squeaky clean on 2019 and were the probably one of the most disciplined teams in the Rugby World Cup. And then since then, it's been you know pretty much yellow card every second match and 
10 plus penalties and just getting on the wrong side of the refs. We don't even have to mention the incidents that have happened there, but hopefully we can see if the penalties can still be at that, you know, even seven, eight, but yeah, nothing more than 10 penalties and nothing. Obviously that takes, that puts us at 14 men against New Zealand. I mean, that's pretty much the last team you want to be 14 men against. So if they can, yeah, if the discipline can still be maintained. I mean, we only can see three penalties Saturday against Australia, which is ridiculous. If that can be maintained, that'll be really good. And I think, Sean, you've said, I mean, you know, the defense sometimes has just been a bit, <laughs> not ropey, but like, yeah, you look at the stats, you're like, oh, missed a lot of tackles. But, you know, that's almost a part of the design. But, yeah, I think against New Zealand, you can't give them those sort of mini breaks and and, 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 and half breaks that we maybe do against other teams because they'll just tear you apart. What do you think, Sean? Yep. Um, I think, yeah. Listen, there was a number of reasons for it. Just one thing, well, a number of reasons for the missed tackles, like the combos and first game back of the season and all that, but we definitely need to, we need to be at our best. The thing is with the All Blacks, they are currently at that sort of that seesaw stage. They're in limbo where they, if the pressure comes and they're under pressure early, then we can get over them. But if a, a game starts like it did against Argentina, where they're like, oh, this is an easy game, then they just build on that. And then you're in trouble. You know, they all of a sudden become the unbeatable All Blacks that we remember. So we need to, we need to be tight on that. On that, I mean, how good were the Springboks on Saturday? We always have such a slow start, but <laughs> that didn't happen. What the hell? Yeah, that completely surprised me. I was expecting, you know, one of those like slow Wales shakies. last year. <laughs> yeah, Wales last yeah. year type of matches of, you know, where... So you're on the edge of our seats <laughs> the last few minutes to get the win. But yeah, I actually, um, Sean, you've actually brought me to, I think what my hot take is, is if New Zealand needs this game more than South Africa, I think quite clearly, and if New Zealand loses, then I think we'll see a lot of changes happening for the Blazeslow Cup games. Like maybe the end of like the, the center combination and change the front row, and maybe Scott Barrett at six and all that sort of stuff. But if they win you know, we'll still stay with the team that I think most rugby pundits are still not 100% sure about, but the confidence that they'll get can really push them to maybe even go far in the Rugby World Cup. So this, I think, is almost the big swing match between either New Zealand having to start again from scratch somewhat with, with how they build their team versus them trusting this sort of group of 20-odd players and saying, you're the ones that are going to take us to the promised land. I wouldn't say they would win the World Cup after that, but I think they'll be in a lot better position than they would be if, you know, this match goes really badly and it starts um, putting them in some doubt. I mean, the box know who their best 23 is. I don't think even if we get beaten by 100 points, it won't change anything. But for New Zealand, this needs to be a win or like a really, 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 really close loss. Otherwise, I think, you know, planning start, has to almost start from scratch for Ian Foster. Angus, what hot takes do you have that you're wanting to launch, you know, um, as a result of this game? I mean, I, I just agree with everything you said there. I, I feel like <laughs> spot on. Um, the, the fact that, I mean, obviously it sounds very biased probably from us, but I don't think we really, we don't need to win this game. We really don't need to win this game. Um, again, you mentioned out, we, we have Lucanio trying to get back to fitness. We've got, um, we've got some players being tested in sort of uh, diff slightly different roles. I mean, we've got Quaka kind of, he's going to be fitting in and really he is just the backup to see a, 
Um, we've got Thomas trying himself again at, at loose head. We've got Damien again trying his hand one more time at, at 10. So we, we're testing out a few combos that aren't testing out because we don't know what our best team is. We're testing them out in case our best team is injured. Um, they, on the other hand, are, are, are rather in, in a different position where they, they're testing our players still to know who's their best 15 and their best 23. So we're in a very different position in that way. So I, I completely agree. Yo, that's uh, uh, like my hot take <laughs> is basically what you said is this no matter what happens between now and the start of the world cup everything almost 99 percent of what we do as a springbok team and coaches and squads is all contingency based um which echoes what you're saying it's it's about it's about making plans for to try and plan as much as possible for the unplannable you know can't put as much things in place that you can cover gaps if they come up uh, in a game or if they come up ahead of a game, you know? So yeah, that's, that, that was my hot take. So pretty much, pretty much same as you. Cooks, your hot take for the game? Um, Scott Robertson to, to, to take over afterwards. No, <laughs> no I'm joking. No. <laughs> didn't, you say, didn't you say that exact same thing this time last year? <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, he he he, he already done his fittings for his blazer and um, already sent his mixtapes for his for his dance moves. But but then obviously then um, the, the Orbex meant to win. But no, I think um, I think yeah, I think I think that's the big one. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see if if Orbex lose this weekend. They go full twenty nineteen, and then Bowden Barrett gets left at home, and then it's flipping chaos. And then Boy Ray Talix not playing anymore, and then it's like like. I feel like there's there's been too much good happening in, in New Zealand rugby at the moment. There's, there's 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 a high, there's a confidence which I don't like. There's they, every every single year since since 2019 has been chaos. There's there's been something. I don't know if the chaos will be them losing the Bettors Bettors Cup. I think, um, but there's something's going to happen to the All Blacks. It can't be just be good times. And that Ian Foster doesn't thrive on good times. He thrives in chaos. So I think if if they lose this weekend, don't I think Eddie Jones is going to be eyeing out that. That better look up just to shake things up in New Zealand rugby one more time. You need some spice, man. And I thought New Zealand would do it by having their first loss to Japan at the end of last year. They didn't, but then they delivered they delivered at the end of the year with that draw to England. So then that was like, oh, okay, that's a bit spicy. So yeah, it's either this. We know the we know how the Bledsoe is gonna go now. They'll have a close match in the first game and then they'll paste Australia by like 50 points. So I don't think the space spice will happen there. This has to be the game that something happens that throws things a little bit off kilter for, the, for New Zealand. How many times have we watched that movie? We're like, ooh, the Wallabies are in with a shot of, of the Bledisloe. Oh, no, they've just taken hiding. <laughs> it's <laughs> like yeah. four. But why does Australia keep on... If each, each World Cup cycle, Australia always makes sure the last home game for the All Blacks is a 50-point win, a 30-point win, just to make them feel good before they leave the shores of New Zealand. <laughs> like we they need do, it. They do, they do it all the time. It's like we'll yes. give you the first test, and then the second test we're going to win by 40 points just to make sure that our morale is high. 100%. It's, ex- it's, it's, for, it's for the world. They're doing it for the world. And the, the absolute worst thing that could happen is if Australia win the Bledisloe Cup this year. The absolute worst thing that could happen for, for rugby because then the All Blacks are going to be like, right, we're going to show you. No, I think you're right. Like they, they need to, the Wallabies need to be in with a shout and then they just need to roll over. Roll over and, <laughs> and just, just like thank you, dude, just for all of us. Thanks, man. Bye. <laughs> 
No, I yeah, I'm I'm worried now that this yeah, the, this talk about yeah, if 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 Ian Foster somehow loses the Blaze Low Cup, but yeah, we've talked about that every year, and then Australia disappoints us, and they didn't show anything at Loftus that says that 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 will be different. Um, let's then oh, let's go into predictions and yeah, seeing what what we want to see in the game. Oh, just one more hot take about the game is I think we're going to debut a new right foot, left foot um, situation for our kicking for poles this weekend. We're going to do it like they do it in football and just have, you know, if it's a penalty from this place, it'll be Damien Willems. So if a penalty from that place, it's chasing Colby. Colby. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have like all the, all, the, all the players like come around like it's a free kick in football and they're discussing, okay, no, this is your angle. No, this is yours. Okay, it's a left foot one, it's a right foot one. Like, we're just going to have, like, you know, see, like, pictures of three or four of the box all whispering to each other and just saying, okay, I can, I, I've got this. Five saying, no, I can do it. I can curve it around. Like, this will be our innovation to rugby now. And you'll just have someone that's going to be the right foot kicker, someone's going to be the left foot kicker, and we can we can take it in from there. Angus? Oh, I'd be all for that. I would love to see that. Anything on the right-hand touchline, you get your left foot, left-footed kicker going. Anything on your left touchline you go for a right-footed kicker that is that is perfect for me um i i actually had a look at, at those kickers uh stats uh, because i had a look at this uh, early in the week i was going to post it uh, tomorrow probably but um of all the springbok goal kickers stats from 2022 to to present and um fuff has six out of eight so 75 percent in in springbok matches uh cheslin has seven out of ten which is 70 percent in 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 his uh, matches since 2022 and uh, Damien Willemser has eight out of 14, which is 57%. So those are our kicking options for tomorrow. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, well, well, well brought up because this is true. But listen, I, I, so not true, but I mean, I, I do, I had a, a look at the stats. I didn't know the exact numbers. I just remember that Fuff and Colby were actually not bad and, and Willemser was a little bit shaky. But when he first kicked for the Stormers way back when he, I think he was kicking at about... 78 percent or something i think so uh when he's more consistent as a kicker is a little bit better but tala the um did didn't the Springboks when when <laughs> when colby and fuff were kicking didn't they didn't they alternate weren't they doing that left right or was it just their changeover that that threw me but i'm almost sure they did a they were alternating at one stage I think that that might have actually happened on, yes. on against France. It might actually be something <laughs> that they've already done. I don't know, Angus, if you if you remember correctly, but I remember that we started with Colby, then it went to Fuff, and both of them just decided that we're going to be Dan Carter today and just slot everything <laughs> against the against the French. Colby I was, was so shocked. Slotting your. I um, was so shocked. I think one curved from Fuff even like it was crazy. They did. They did alternate, but. Um... It was because Colby got red carded, <laughs> so it was it was it wasn't by ah. a bit of a dampener. Not <laughs> that. Oh yeah, we forget about that minor detail. Yes, yeah. So I'm sure there'll be some shenanigans with the kicking and everything on Saturday. Cooks, I don't know if you're back, but yeah, what is your thoughts about the Springbok goal kicking? The, the, definitely, I, I love that there will be shenanigans. I still love the fact that the Springboks going to test like a under thirteen C rugby side with three kickers. I'm I'm all in for that. <laughs> and Jacques saying, "Yeah, they'll decide on the day. They'll see who feels what and everything." I was like, "What is going on here?" Like this Didn't is what we used to say in primary school. Who was right next? And to he him. was right next to him. Right next to him. 
<laughs> the type of that disrespect, eh? You. I want Quaker to step up for a kick. You know he's going to nail it from 55 meters. <laughs> that that uh, You could play him anywhere and do anything. He'll do it. He'll kick. He'll play wing. He'll play scrum off. He'll play hooker. You know it. He's got everything. Okay, let's go into this now. Um, let's actually start with the other game that's happening on Saturday. Australia's playing Argentina for the who's going to be more worried about their World Cup build-up <laughs> game. Um, yeah, I think both teams desperately need a win. But Michael Cech, at least, I think there's some plan that Argentina has. They, As we talked about earlier, they're reintroducing the big French players that they have, like Malia and Chocobares, and Kramer's going to come back at some stage from his um, ban. And Sklavi as well. Australia, geez, they need a win. So I'm going to go just for chaos and just to see Eddie Jones sweat. I would love to see an Argentina win. So I'm going to go for a sneaky, sneaky Argentina win. Uh, Sean? I'm actually uh, on your team there. I think I think Argentina win, but I do also think that Eddie Jones makes the All Blacks work a hell of a lot harder for, for the Bladers Luck Cup. So I'm going to go Argentina by a ball here. One. <laughs> Angus? Sorry to mess around with the format, guys, here, yeah, but um, I just realized I'm completely stuffed out that uh, Colby stat. It wasn't because he got red carded. It was because he got injured. <laughs> Same thing. He just doesn't get banned. <laughs> um, my prediction for the game, I would say I think Australia are going to take it. I know it seems um, ridiculous after their awful performance, but uh, I, I really do think Australia will win that one. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm sure that I think they've got probably a, a better team than that on Saturday. They've picked a winger at 14. And now coming to us instead of picking No, they well last Marky week they picked Mark. a rugby league. They picked a rugby league player. And I don't know why they did that, but we Are digress. we ever gonna see him in Union again? I hope not. I really do hope not. He's yeah, he's in that Shante, Happy, and those sort of players that really didn't he, deliver the he, goods from league. After Eddie Jones is done with him, he probably won't even get a contract in league. <laughs> Who's that guy that's coming in? Swaili, um, Joseph Swaili. I hope he's a lot better than this because, yeah, I feel like they overhype these rugby league pay people and they most times are not great. Cooks, your um, Australia-Argentina prediction? Um, I think Australia. Um, I think... <laughs> I think my hot take is that I, I think Australia will be fine. I mean, they've been, even under Dave Rennie, they were so inconsistent. So I think we'll get the good Australia on the weekend. Um, um, so, yeah, I think, they'll, I think they'll also quite comfortably at 13, 13, 15 points. Yeah. Also, shout out to Will Skelton. I realize that he's coming to Cape Town in December. So I just want to make sure that if he listens to this, I, he knows that I'm a fan and I no, like him. It's too late. It's, it's too late. It's too late. After the stuff you said about Rog. Yeah, no, mate. <laughs> oh, I can't well, believe you kind of back. If you're listening to this, I'm such a big fan. You are a great <laughs> lock. I don't think you're a world-class lock, but you're almost there. You're almost there. So please think- don't, don't hurt me because I want front row seats in the Stormers La Rochelle game. I just want to say if, to Will Skelton and, and Rog, it, it's Tala. So it's only 25% of the rugby blitz. So you can't really judge us on that. I mean, he is spicing things up, but we all generally agree. But 
But yeah, we none of us have said a bad thing about you. We all think you guys are the greatest, and we look forward to having you on the podcast. And you called him a WWE wrestler, didn't you? <laughs> Why no, you a more a on sumo the wrestler. Sumo oh, wrestler. No. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Look, you I'm did. Just, I'm, I'm just tired of like everyone going, "Oh, he's so great for, for in the top 14. Of course, that's where all these big people play and they just dominate in that league. I mean, you need to do a little bit more than that. That's all I said, but now it's apparently an issue. So I just want to make sure that I do apologize. And yeah, please don't beat me up when you see me in Cape Town. <laughs> so <laughs> we can move on from that. <laughs> or Angus, do you have any other apologies you want to make? No, no, no apologies. I won't be calling any players um, sumo wrestlers anytime soon. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of coming across to Marty Williams in a, in a dark alley. <laughs> All gold. Look, that Tell is good. Yeah, I think you need to put yourself. I want to make an apology. To all, those, to all the people that ran Sansa, I apologize for my rants about you guys playing on Thursdays <laughs> and um, to the faithful in New Zealand for making the, all, the Springboks play in a club stadium. I apologize. Uh, I take it back. Uh, I'm a better man now. But just all I'm just saying, just can Eden Park is right there. That's all, that's all I'm saying. It's right there. <laughs> just just make the games there. But I'm, I'm, I promise myself that I'm going to apologize um, to Sansa and, uh, and, uh, and I'm really sorry for my, for my, for my takes. But just Eden Park's right there. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. But I, I promise to be a better man. And you guys must be better as well. Let's meet halfway. You be better, I'll be better. You guys must be better. <laughs> what a great ending. That's like an apology without an apology. I'm sorry, but you must be better. I think we're playing in some rugby league stadium. That's what Mount Smart is. I think the Warriors or whatever use it uh, most times. So, and it's, yeah, it's about at least a third or whatever smaller than what Eden Park is. So, yeah, that, that's how much they respect us, I think. I thought we had this big rivalry and that we love each other and it's the greatest rivalry on earth. And yeah, like Cook said, even the Caton would be nice. Like just give us like something that's more traditional. Even go, go to Dunedin, run us off our feet in Dunedin rather. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of going to the Mount Smart Stadium. Okay, let's actually get to this game. Um, New Zealand versus South Africa. Angus, you can start us off. What's happening in this game? Oh, you've chosen the worst person. I, I hate doing spring off predictions. <laughs> I, I, I can't do these. I, I always feel like I'm so negative. I always go, oh, we're going to lose because I'm holding on to the hope that we win and I just prove myself wrong. Join the uh, club. I, I, I'd rather say all blacks by five and then we win it and, and I, I, I laugh at myself. Yeah, I think I'm probably leaning towards something like that as well. Just, I think, to balance expectations and everything. But yeah, also... New Zealand, as as Angus pointed out, they haven't won against South Africa in New Zealand since 2017. So, yeah, I think it's, we're probably due one now. And like both of those games in the 2018-2019 were pretty much coin toss games. So I think, yeah, it probably swings back the other way. And that might be a good thing for the World Cup because it seems like these teams, it's I win one, then you win one, then I win one, then you win one. So it probably, yeah, it, it probably equals out later. Sean? Well, if it's going to go with I win, you win, it's our turn. And that means the Springboks are going to win by really nothing. Like it's going to be a penalty somewhere along the line or a drop kick, but I'm going to go by one. So I'll pick Jeez, both a mark. drop kick and a penalty? From no, no, us? I'm just saying it's something like that. Something <laughs> something by one point. Like somewhere along the line, it's going to be 
a late try to win it or whatever. But it's our turn, and we get to uh, break a what a five year hoodoo, six year. So yeah, oh, it'll be our first win it. in all. Yeah, it'll be our first win in Auckland since nineteen thirty nine. Not at Eden Park, but in the greater city of Auckland. So I guess it counts. I mean, it'll force them to put it at Eden Park next time. (laughs) That's if the All Blacks played us at UJ Stadium. I think it counts as well. Yeah. Okay, Cooks, you can finish this. You can finish this off. What? What's your? What's your call? Well, I mean, like I love your angles, right? Like the last time we beat them was in last day. Best New Zealand was in Albany when you played basically in someone's backyard. So. I think they, 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 they're going with that plan now of sticking to small stadiums. But um, I, I, I was leaning even last week towards the All Blacks win and then, uh, and then um, ESCOM decided to give us stage six load shedding for the entire weekend. So I think that's gonna, what Jacques Nina was going to use. Because pretty much always play better when the country's in a dark place. Literally now this time we're in a dark place. He's going to use it in his speech. He's going to galvanize the boys. He's going to deliver a great speech in, the, in the, the spring box to sort of brighten up our, brighten up our weekend. Because... In South Africa, clearly, with all the issues we have, once the Springboks win, they all seem to disappear for eight, for for like a weekend. So, I'm gonna go Bok win by by five. Yeah, I guess you mentioned a good thing. I mean, I'm sure Jacques is gonna say something to my pimps about you know making sure that the lights are on, you know, in his heart since the lights are not on at home or something like that, right, Cooks? Yeah, hundred percent. And you, you know, like the the Springboks play, they put the best rugby in the country in disarray, and um, Knows. I feel like Jogni never spoke to ESCOM as well. I'm just like asked them just to push those stage six out <laughs> for like another week just to make sure that uh, the Springboks are sort of highly, highly, highly motivated. I mean, I think I'll take I'll take the stage six load shading if it's going to end up in a in a box win. I mean, but the tough thing is like what happens if the box win? The game is at eleven. Like there's people having bras from eight o'clock. So like you can't now stop drinking at like three and like function and go to like a brand or like a late lunch. You just get just like drink the whole day. And as a South Africans, I feel like we will continue that momentum. I feel bad for the people playing like club rugby at three o'clock. It's a tough place to to eat, like to drink after the park winning. Still gonna play rugby as well. Ugh, I think it's it's gonna be a, a good day for beer, but a bad day for for um, club rugby players that were having to celebrate the park win and still have to play rugby themselves. But you know, you know, Kitsy and Marks, they've they've just launched a beer, and they've it, it almost seems like it's the perfect beer for what you're talking about, like. What's gonna What's gonna happen? Or like, if some people are gonna be drinking all that? Maybe you've seen it, but it's called Bomb Squad, so it makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense. If I was playing rugby in the box, yeah. when I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm not playing. I'm telling the coach, like, sorry, I'm not playing today. You You can find another. You can <laughs> find not, another player, but I, I'm not available. Sorry. Play me at your own risk. I have another question. <laughs> what my pimps? What my pimps are we getting? Are we getting 2019 my pimps in 2023 or are we going to get 2022 my pimps who's got the red mist around him from kickoff? Because you're... Uh, uh, the one that no said shut up to Nick White. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we might, we might, we might, we might, um, we might get that my pimpy. I, I, I've, I've, I've got a feeling, or you might call um, Will Jordan a Ferrari and sort of just attack him as well. <laughs> no, we will definitely... Yeah, we'll definitely have some sort of like <laughs> outburst from Magazzoni because even the end of last season, he was getting into the refs' faces a little bit. <laughs> Him and Bongi Bonambi were not, you know, the refs' favorites. I, think, I don't know if they're doing a, a, a good cop, bad cop type of thing now. Yeah. And maybe Colisi's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I've got them under control. Don't worry. But you remember how you're just pointing at you? Shut up. <laughs> 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 oh. 
between that and don't be a smart ass it's uh it's we we're pretty much set we've got all our content for for the week um and just to finish off this podcast on a bit more of a somber note um yeah actually first of all we saw we heard the news that Ebenezer Betts um father passed away um someone that I think is a big (laughs) member figuratively and literally in the Tiger Tiger Bird community as well and yeah he was known obviously for (laughs) <laughs> a lot more outside extracurricular activities, but also just someone that was also known, I think, in the Tiger Book rugby um, circles as well. So, yeah, um, big, you know, condolences to Eben. It seems like he's chosen to play. So, yeah, if he wants to, uh, trying to commemorate him as well. And then finally, also to um, Nick Costa. We heard the news that he passed away on, you know, earlier this week too. And, yeah, Nick Costa played bath and for stormers and yeah just a lot of great things that were said about him as well um in in commemoration to him obviously he dies at like 30 odd years of age it's really tragic but yeah just remembering some of the memories like i grew up in high school or i was in high school when nick costa was you know the biggest thing in schoolboy rugby and i think from people that talk about it he's probably one of our best schoolboy rugby players at least in the last 20 30 years and yeah, the talent was obviously there and it came out even in, in, in the professional rugby as well. But yeah, he's definitely someone that made a big impact in our rugby circles in South Africa and in the UK as well. So yeah, just rest in peace and condolences to his family as well. Yeah, tough, tough time for uh, for the Etzebes and the Costas. So yeah, we we all think the whole all rugby communities come come together, but it's been uh, been a tough week. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah, that that is hopefully just something to to remember as well. And yeah, I think it'll it's something to yeah, where we can see how yeah they commemorated as well on Saturday. But yes, um, James, let's end it off here. Thank you so much, um, Angus, for joining us today. Um, yeah, and thanks for making us all a bit smarter as well. You can see that it descends a little bit when there isn't an adult in the room. So yeah, Angus, thanks so much for, for, for joining us today. Oh, thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that is, yeah, just a, our, our preview of the South Africa New Zealand game for Rugby Bits. We hope you're going to enjoy this. You can listen to this just before the game. If you start the podcast at about 7.30, you should be finished before the hacker starts. And yeah, please like and share and subscribe to this podcast and share it with the rest of the rugby world. Let's get up those rankings for Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast platforms. And please follow us on social media as well um, for more news and things that are coming out from the Rugby Bits page as well. And yeah, we will talk to you after the Springbok game as well. Cheers.